Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the quarantine editions. I'm excited to have on the show with me today Peter Moore, who rides for the AG2R Citroen U23 team in France. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I, you know, Most of the people in the Twin Cities uh, know your story and how you've come up through the ranks uh, starting when you were a lot younger. But uh, for those who maybe haven't heard your, your whole cycling life story, maybe give us a little bit of background on how you got started. Yeah, so when I was about seven or eight years old, my dad took the intro class at the um, now defunct National Sports Center Velodrome in Blaine, Minnesota, um, and thought that I would enjoy it. Signed me up for the Velo Kids class at age eight, um, and I just um, took to it, immediately loved it, started riding um, Thursday Night Light Racing with a Cat 4 Fives when I was 11, and progressed every year since then. And at what point did you start to recognize that you could maybe compete at a more than just regional or local level? Yeah, so for me, there, there hasn't really been any defining moments. It's really been a slow realization with, with each category I've upgraded or each um, higher level race I've been um, able to compete at. The, the ceiling above me has increased equally. Um, so it's it's really just been a slow realization of the of the truly elite levels of cycling that you can achieve, um, and I'm still still working working to get there. And and how did you begin that work 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 work? Kind of the process of of honing your skills and your talents. Yeah. So immediately in the with the Velo Kids program, um, I was coached by Bob Williams, the track director, um, and Lindsay Hamilton, who's a physical therapist. Um, who ran the Velo Kids classes. Um, and from there, I was coached by um, a, a number of different people, um, but principally Chris Ferris, um, longtime track sprinter, James Tainer, um, another master's rider, and then most recently, um, Colby Pierce, um, track World Cup winner, Olympian, um, 15-year career as a pro, um, excellent coach, and and those people, among many many others in the Minnesota and NSC Velodrome community, have have really taught me everything I know. You said there weren't really any major aha moments, but can you kind of reflect the milestones that you felt where you moved up another level or where you had sort of a an idea that the next level was attainable? Yeah, so there, there I guess there are, there are a few that stand out. Um, I think I was 11 or 12 years old. It was the first night of racing at the Velodrome where I didn't get lapped in the Cat 4 5 points race. And that was just the most incredible thing in the world to me at the time. And I was, I was so happy with that. And looking back on that now, it's kind of funny, but as a 12-year-old, as a that was pretty cool for me. I think also winning my first Category 1-2 race at the Velodrome, that was pretty eye-opening. I, I guess I really, really realized that, that I, I belonged there. Few others would be my first race at World Championships in 2018, crashing out of the scratch race qualifier solely due to my own error and realizing how much more I needed to develop. And then finally, racing the Elite Nationals points race last year in Carson, California. That was pretty eye opening as well. You you talked about national championships. You've had a, a pretty stellar junior career, and you've got multiple national championships on your wall. How many how many altogether have you earned? 
Yeah, so I don't think about it too much, but um, in all, I have seven national titles, three Omnium titles, two Team Pursuit titles, a Team Sprint title, and a Scratch Race title. And I briefly held um, the 3K national pursuit record for two, maybe three years. That's uh, it's pretty imp- impressive. How do you feel like that national level experience prepared you for junior worlds? Yeah. So funny enough, I my my answer to this isn't super nuanced. It's it's really just that it it didn't. You you cannot draw a comparison between. U.S. track racing, U.S. cycling, U.S. road cycling, and international or, or European track racing. Being the best in the U.S. is just is just not enough. So, like, while it's been a great racing experience and and has been great for my development, there is certainly uh, a ceiling you reach racing racing in the U.S. You had a chance to experience that international level twice. I'm curious to know how it felt when you walked into that World's Velodrome for the first time. Yeah, it was it was a pretty surreal experience watching track world cups over the over the previous years before that first world championships and then seeing these European and international national teams in 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 full stride, incredibly professional teams like the the Kiwis or the Aussies or the Italians in training, just people my age but with infinitely more experience. That was that that kind of t- took my breath away a little bit. And then also one one memory that sticks out at that first World Championships, which was 2018 in um, Eglis, Switzerland. I had gotten to the track waiting to warm up for my Madison qualifier. And there was an Aussie in the bathroom next to me throwing up in the toilet after his kilo effort. And I think I kind of realized, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is the level it takes. This is how hard these guys are pushing themselves. How did you prepare for that first world's experience? I mean, it seems like it was pretty eye-opening, but how did you, what, were you, what was your preparation like? Yeah, so looking back on my, on my training, every year you kind of look back in your training and, and you say, oh, there's no way I could do more than I did that year. But then a year down the road, you say, how could I have been training so little at, at that level? Most of my training centered around specific track work. I did a lot of motor pacing with our track director, Bob Williams, leading up to the event, um, but not a massive amount of volume. Um, I don't think I had one week over 12 hours of training. And in the context of elite sport, that's, that's tiny. And in the context of, of junior world championships, competing against people destined to, to ride in the world tour, that's absolutely nothing. So despite being under trained compared to my counterparts, um, I think I performed reasonably well there. Yeah, I mean, you took seventh place in the Madison, which at the time, and maybe still is, the best result for a U.S. junior Madison team ever. So obviously you had something. Yeah, so that that Madison, um, I my partner was Ryan Jastrab. He's uh, from California in the, in the L.A. area. Um, great guy. And really for me, it was just, how, how addicting it is. In, in any Madison, you get into this groove, this kind of intense focus that you, you can't break. And if you lose focus for even a second, you're, you're almost destined to crash. And even more so at the junior level, um, there are some pretty erratic and inexperienced riders out there. Um, I perhaps was one of them, but a lot of people compare it to the X Games. They call it the X Games of Cycling, the junior <laughs> Madison World Championships, um, just because of all the crashes. You see, you'll see forks flying across the track. Not kidding. People 
pulling each other off their bikes during exchanges. Some pretty wacky stuff. But some some other clear memories I have from that race. I remember we had raced our qualifier. I think we qualified in in fourth or fifth. And our coach on that trip, Joanne Kiesanowski, who I believe now is a director for the rally women's team, she said, look, you you guys need to need to sit in and ride easy for the first half of this race because if you try to follow let's say the Aussies or the Danish, for example, you're just gonna you're just gonna kill yourself and, and, and blow up there. So it's really just there's really that clear line drawn between our level and the level of, of other competitors in that event where it was like, look, you're just not there yet. And that, that stuck with me. It makes me wonder what that experience is like for you being part of a national team for the first time. What kinds of things didn't you expect to have happen? Or did you, you know, sort of realize, hey, this is what a team experience can really be like? Yeah, I, I would say the national team racing that World Championships was, it was a great experience. It mostly gave me the opportunity to to see how other riders race, how professional their teams are, and just open my eyes to to really how far I needed to to develop and and still do need to develop. Yeah, excellent opportunity. And what uh, so you went back the second year in 2019? What were what were some of the things you were able to apply from from that previous year that helped you as you went into that second Junior Worlds? Yeah. So the first time I went. Um, I raced the Scratch and the Madison, and despite our, our seventh place in that Madison, it was really just uh, a week of, of getting my head kicked in. I wasn't really aware of what I was doing, per se. It was more just ride as hard as you can and, and follow the wheel in front of you. But the second time around, I raced the Scratch and then the Omnium, and in, in 2019 there in, um, in Germany, I was more in the game. I was playing the game rather than, than trying to follow it. I was really able to, to understand the race and see the race rather, rather than um, having tunnel vision looking at the person in front of me. Racing one individual event is, is all-encompassing, obviously, and you're going to put all your energy into it. And you've got a couple of national championships in the Omnium, and at Worlds you got a 10th in, in 2019. And I'm, I'm interested to hear how you approach racing across multiple events like that. In, in a race like the Omnium, you have to be on the whole time. There's no saving energy in one race to, to perform better in another. You have to commit fully to every race. To go back for a second, in that scratch race, I believe I finished 12th, came from pretty far back in the final sprint, which wasn't optimal. And then the next race was the tempo. And I decided to pull a tactic that doesn't often work, but when it does, works wonderfully, um, which was an early attack take the first few points and then uh, sit in for the rest of the race. And in a race like the tempo where the point spread isn't very large, there's generally three or four riders who win all the sprints, winning two or even three points is going to put you in a pretty good position. So I ended up finishing fourth um, in that race and going into elimination. I was, I was incredibly close. There were crashes probably every, I don't know, six, eight laps. Oh, um, the race got paused a number of times, and it's, it was just a constant washing machine coming over the top, being spat out the back, coming over the top. I ended up 10th there. And then by the time we got to the points race, I was, I was gassed. Um, I, I didn't score a single point, but ended up 10th, and, and that was my, my work earlier in the day um, came to fruition there. 
it's uh, it had to feel good, even though you maybe didn't finish as strong as you would, had hoped. It had to feel good to uh, to have achieved what you did in the in that event, which has got to be a grueling experience. Certainly, certainly, it was a bit of validation that that I, that I did belong there. And you've you've obviously now transitioned a lot of your efforts to the road, um, and you had a first chance to ride on the road uh, in 2019 with a French junior squad. And I'd love to hear how that how that opportunity came together for you. In the summer of 2019, in the month before Junior World Championships, I headed over to France uh, and stayed with the host family about two hours uh, north of Paris in a town called Pierrefonds. And I raced with the Club Cycliste Villeneuve Soissons and long name. The connection there is through Alec Gugamos, who has been a longtime training and racing partner. We used to ride for the same team on the road, St. Paul Bicycle Racing Club out of St. Paul, where I grew up. Um, he had raced for the team before, got me connected with the director there, um, and it took off from there. And And what were some of your sort of biggest memories from that first year of riding? For me, it was really, a, the adaptation was to the, the small roads, um, the, the road furniture, which isn't really something we have in the U.S., and then the massive fields packed into these, into these small roads. And when you couple a, a large field of small roads, what you get is people shooting gaps that you couldn't even imagine existed. Wow. So that was a real, real eye-opener. You see someone next to you, and the next moment you see them two riders ahead of you and you wonder how they got there and you just can't envisage it. So um, that was pretty eye-opening. And then the other thing is also coming from the U.S., um, it's pretty easy to feel like you have to assert yourself over a race and cover all the attacks and, and dictate the race. But when you get to Europe and you're racing in a field of 150, 200 racers, if you do that, you're going to be, your legs are going to be dead halfway through the race. So it's really a... a a manner of, of conserving your efforts and, and knowing when when to use your energy and when not to. And and understanding how a team can can help you, I gotta believe, is a big big change there from your from racing in the U.S. Exactly, exactly. Team dynamics were were pretty new to me. Although I I had raced on the road with with some teammates, um, no, it was nothing like um, the experience I had over there. I actually somehow had my team riding for me in my very first race and. In France, which was which is kind of funny, um, wow. but very experienced nonetheless. And and how did that how did that all shake out? I mean, was it just you were well positioned in the race, and they said, okay, Peter's the guy, or was it planned in advance? No, so it wasn't planned in advance. We were riding. There was probably thirty or forty k to go in the race. Break up the road. One of my teammates asked me if my legs were good and if I had a good sprint. I I said yes, and he said all right, and they went to work on the front, which <laughs> was kind of a funny experience, just not not what you you would expect as a as a newcomer. But yeah, what were some of the dynamics as that unfolded? As far as I can remember, I don't think we actually brought back the break. But this is also racing a, a junior squad in in an elite field. But I remember not being entirely sure where the race actually finished because oh, we were doing this. We're doing this circuit race, but the finish wasn't on the circuit. It was like a one-kilometer spur off of the circuit, and no one had told me where it was. So I only actually realized where the finish was when we had about 500 meters left in the race. Oh, my gosh. Um, so that was kind of a, uh, a funny experience there. 
Uh, yeah. Was uh, was most of the communication with your teammates that you're in French? Yeah, 100% in French. The, the, the French don't really speak much English. Um, so um, all my communication, um, everything from from what we're having for dinner that night to what the race tactics are, um, all in French. And uh, I know you. I know you've been studying French. How uh, how hard was that for you to get used to? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't too difficult. I've been studying French since I was ten years old, um, and at times both my parents have spoken French pretty well. Um, so the adaptation wasn't terrible. I remember being mentally fatigued in my first few weeks there, just from processing a new language. Mm-hmm. Um, but I adapted pretty quickly. That's, uh, I mean, once you're thrown into it like that, uh, it makes a huge difference, right? You don't have much of a choice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and I know you were you were hoping to go over there again last summer in 2020, which was disrupted just like everything else. Um, I'm curious to know how you managed to change your racing and training with COVID and also starting college. And I mean, last year was a pretty big year for you, even though you weren't racing in Europe. Yeah, so... So just to backtrack a little bit, after Junior Worlds in 2019, I headed off to Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine, which is a small liberal arts college. Um, And I did cross-country skiing there for a year, um, Division I, um, made it to the NCAA championships as the youngest skier there, which is a pretty big big achievement of mine. Um, And then, funny enough, in the middle of NCAA championships, um, the NCAA called off all national championship events um, due to COVID. This was um, early mid-March, um, and then the world kind of shut down from there. You were literally in the middle of your national championships? When they Correct, played? yeah. So we had just finished our first race, and we had one race um, two days later. Um, but that afternoon, we got the, the notification that everything had been shut down. Wow, that's amazing, and and I know that you had you had put a lot of your focus on uh, skiing, obviously, and did did really well. How did that change the way you thought about cycling? Did it affect your idea of what you might do with the bike? Yeah, so I've been skiing my entire life, um, longer than I've been riding a bike, actually, um, and up until last year, I've always had this cycling skiing balance where I would spend the fall and, and winter skiing, um, competing at a pretty high level, and then the spring and summer um, racing my bike. Um, and after Worlds in 2019, I, I had the general idea and kind of knew that this was going to be my last season um, skiing. And what that, what, that no, what that idea gave me, just the knowledge that, all right, this is it, this is my last, my last go-around here, it just created this super relaxed environment where I wasn't necessarily focused on the results. I really just focused on my day-to-day training. Um, And it gave me kind of more playful perspective on, on sport in general. Um, And I've definitely applied that to cycling. That's a, that's a pretty impressive uh, sense of awareness. I mean, uh, there are people twice your age who wouldn't have been able to figure that out. How, how did that realization sort of settle in with you? I mean, what was it that triggered that, that concept. Yeah, so I guess it was the it was the realization that like, look, this is my last season here. Yeah. Last season in the sport. I need to 
need to have much as much fun as as possible. I um, I don't need to need to stress if I was supposed to ski for an hour and thirty five minutes and only skied for an hour and thirty four minutes, you know, <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Just forget about the little things. Really enjoy it, and it it paid dividends. I skied at a higher level than I've ever skied before in my life. Um, finished that year as the third ranked junior in the in the nation. Um, so it was a p- pretty big achievement. Yeah, that's exciting. And and so now you've uh, you've gone to a, n- a new level with cycling. You're you're now racing for the U23 team uh, for AG2R Citroen for this year. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, that's a huge achievement. And thank you. Tell us how that how that all came together. Right. So so this past spring, um, as COVID um, and this this new world kind of settled in, um, there was obviously no racing. Um, didn't have a team for this year, um, and I started reaching out to teams all across Europe. Um, I wasn't really sure um, how to approach it, but I did a ton of research, um, worked through the, the French internet, which is not nearly as, as um, easy to navigate as, um, as sites in, in the U.S. Um, and in all, I ended up contacting about 45 teams wow. um, in France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Austria, Switzerland, and the U.S. Um, and just for uh, a little comparison here, I think only 15 of those teams actually replied, mm-hmm. um, and I was only offered spots on three teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty low hit rate there, but, but all you need is one. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then from there, I had to navigate the visa process, um, which was mind-numbingly difficult and bureaucratic. Um, especially during COVID, but you got that done as well. And how did you, of those three that offered you a position on the team, how did you choose among them? Right, so the first one that offered me a spot that eventually fizzled out for reasons I'm not quite sure, Mm. the director there stopped responding. Um, The second team, I was planning on racing for them. Um, They were a team in northern France. And then I got the call from Ajay Duzier-Struen that um, one of their riders um, had unexpectedly gone world tour and there was a spot for me. And that was the end of September. Um, and I immediately jumped on the opportunity. Um, and it's really just not something you can pass up. It's, uh, it's a pretty unique team uh, in addition to have its connection to the, pro, the world tour team. Um, it's pretty unique in its its philosophy. Talk a little bit about what the what the team is all about. Yeah, so the the team has what they call a double project or a double project of education and sport. Um, so all of the riders in the team are required to be take to be doing some form of higher education. Some are studying to be carpenters, bicycle mechanics. Um, engineers, uh, economic students. So you've got the, the whole range here. Um, and the team puts a pretty large focus on, on who you are as a person and how you integrate um, with the team and, and communicate with team management, um, as well as the, the results you achieve. That's, that's pretty forward thinking. Uh, has it been challenging to fit 
the educational uh, activity and the training in the into one day? Yeah, you know, this is something I've been doing uh, my whole life, so it's nothing new. Um, a lot of my time here has been spent just getting settled into my apartment and doing little things like setting up a bank account or getting phone service here, but it hasn't been too difficult, no. That's great. What are you, what are you studying this spring? So right now I'm a student at Bowdoin College um, majoring in uh, integrated biology and Francophone studies. Um, I'm actually not enrolled this semester because they have a long story, but a three course minimum and that's just too much work with the time change and unpredictable tra training and racing schedules. So I'm taking a few online biosciences courses mm -hmm. just to keep my head screwed on straight for the moment. Um, but after that, I'll likely enroll at the university here this fall um, and then take it from there. Nice. And you've been, you've been with the team for about a month now. Uh, how have the early days been beyond getting settled into your you know, daily routine? Yeah, you know, life is, life is great here. There's not much to complain about. Um, I live in, um, in student-athlete housing. Um, funded by the the, the French government, um, so the entire team uh, lives together, and we're cooked meals here by our, by our team chef Monday through Friday. Um, so integration with the team has been has been super easy. Everyone's been super well welcoming, and I I don't don't have a single complaint. That's that's great. And what what kinds of activities have the tip the tip the tip for you uh, from a training perspective? Yeah, so right now um, we're using a number of different training modalities. The season's pretty long. It extends through mid-October, and depending on my track schedule, it might end up being longer than that. Um, so we're not training incredibly hard right now, but um, we've been in the gym. We've been doing specific sessions on the trainer. We've been doing some Nordic skiing, um, uh, some cyclocross, um, and then some long, hard road rides, um, occasionally with some of the world tour professionals. That's got to be a pretty exciting experience. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool to to be riding with with guys in the world tour team and and looking up and seeing that you've got a Tour de France stage winner riding next to you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's got to be a little both uh, exciting and humbling at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. You've uh, you talked a little earlier about the the, the, the the thing getting raised every every time you've gone to a new level in your um, in your racing. What uh, what are you expecting from this year based on what you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean this has been no different. I, I expect a, an incredibly high level of racing here, um, and more than just the the power you can produce on the bike, the the level of po positioning, bike handling, um, technique. Um, is just much higher here. Um, on our training rides, the team uses a a, a, a double a, a rotating pace line for all our training rides, and mm -hmm. we're expected to keep the same power um, no matter if we're riding on the flat, uphill, or on the downhills. Wow. So that ends up that ends up meaning that we are absolutely ripping these these tiny little descents on these tiny little roads with road furniture. Um, so it's been a bit of a shock, but I'm sure it'll prepare me well. Have you, uh, have, are you feeling like your bike handling skills are improving? 
Certainly, certainly. With with every ride, they're 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 getting up to par there, but certainly not quite at the level of, of these guys who have been riding that way for years. What uh, what's the season going to look like for you? Uh, what's what's your schedule? Do you have a have a sense yet? Yeah, so I have a a, a general sense. Um, races have already been started to be canceled, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of a an early March start, I'm thinking more um, an early an early April start this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be racing the um, French uh, Division Nationale Coupe de France which is the highest level amateur category. Um, I have a few UCI stage races and UCI one-day races in my calendar. Um, And then I'll be heading to um, a number of UCI CL1 track meets um, across Europe over the summer um, and see how that goes. And so the team uh, seems to be pretty supportive of your track endeavors. Absolutely. It's It's been great, in fact. Yeah. Are there any other trackies on the uh, on the squad? Yeah, there's one other guy, Henry Lawton. He's he's British but lives in Geneva, um, and he has a solid track background. So I might end up teaming up with him for some Madisons this summer. Nice. What uh, when are when are your track events going to fall in the schedule? It's really across the whole season. Um, the earliest ones are mid-May, and then. They'll go into the end of August, and then six-day season starts. So you've got some six days on your uh, on your radar. Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out because you can't really plan that far in advance these days. Sure, um, but we'll 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 see. Well, that would be a that would be a fun experience for sure. Definitely. One of the one of the things that I've read about the the squad is that there are a big percentage of the team riders who've actually gone on to the pro the pro peloton. Is that is that a goal that you've set for yourself? Absolutely. My my goal right now is to is to turn professional um, on the road and on the track. Um, this team has about a forty percent success rate of riders turning pro, which is which is almost unheard of yeah. um, in in this sport. So I think I'm I'm positioned well um, to do so in this team, um, and we'll see if I have a ledge to back it up. The uh, if if I understand right, the the, the partnership with AG2R uh, is new for for the squad this year. Is that right, or have they had sort of a more formal relationship in the past? Yeah. So the the team has actually been connected to the World Tour team since since its inception 20 years okay. ago. Mm-hmm. But it's only this year that the name is the same. Got it. Got it. And and is that typically the pipeline uh, for those those folks who go to onto the pro the pro team? Yeah, there are in some cases there are some riders who end up turning pro with other world tour teams, but a large number of these riders um, go through the pipeline, finish their fourth year U twenty three, and then uh, then turn pro. Mm-hmm. What. Uh, as you as you look ahead uh, through the, the the upcoming year, what are some of the things that you're most looking forward to? I I, I think I'm really looking forward to getting into the flow of road racing here, um, and understanding the the style and and tactics of of racing. Um, I think once I can be calm and 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 intuitive on the bike without just wondering what's going on around me, um, results and and good performances will, will start to come. But until then, I'm sure the the first few races will be will be tough. Yeah, drinking out of the fire hose, huh? 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, uh, you're you're obviously going to be getting some equipment from the team, um, and I always like to to know sort of what people's bike fleets look like uh, who come on the come on the show, and so I'm curious to know what what you're getting from the team. What's your what's your team bike? So the team rides uh, BMC bikes with uh, Campagnolo group sets. We ride the Team Machine SLR01, um, and then um, the Time machine for our time trials. Have you have you gotten your team bikes yet? So with funny enough with um, COVID and all, um, the bikes that arrived, but the Campagnola group sets from Italy aren't um, quite here yet. So we're still wow. waiting on those. Um, but I am I'm anxious to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what else do you have in your fleet over there? What are you riding right now in the meantime? So. Right now, I'm riding one of the team's training bikes from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my felt TK1 track bike over here. Um, eventually, once the BMC frames come in, um, I'll get, I'll receive two uh, BMC um, SLR01 Team Machine road bikes, um, a BMC TT bike, um, and then for cross riding a specialized um, Crux. Um, and then Mountain, we have a Trek Pro Caliber hardtail, which is nice. excellent. And yeah. are you going are you going to keep riding your uh, your Trek this season on the track as well, or your your felt, I should say? Yeah. So the the team sponsorship doesn't extend to the track, so I'm free to to ride what I want there. So mm-hmm. we'll con- continue mm-hmm. with that. It's been a good bike. And and of the roads that you've ridden over there so far, what are some of the favorites that you've uh, you've experienced with some of the best places you've ridden so far since you've been there? I think the coolest ride I've done, um, I'm actually not sure the name of the road, but we did a, we actually rode our bikes to the ski area we ski at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about um, 15K at 7%. Um, oh. And just beautiful roads, um, snow on either side of us. Um, pretty Pretty surreal experience. Oh man, that must have been fantastic. Yeah, it was crazy. Are are most of the road races for your team going to be in France, or will you be traveling to any other countries for racing? Most of the races will be in France. Um, we'll do a few races in Italy, um, and that's that's about it. Pretty focused. Yeah, but there's there's plenty of racing over here. No, no worries. <laughs> Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people want to stay close to what you're doing and, and follow your uh, your exploits. Uh, where can where can we make sure people go to to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so the best place to go would be my blog, um, petermoreontheroad.com. Um, I post uh, updates um, once every two weeks, um, and you can follow along there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure to uh, share a link to that as well uh, from the Perfect. show page so that everybody can uh, can follow along. Well, Peter, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to hear your uh, experiences over there. And, you know, as with everybody here in the Twin Cities, we're wishing you a, a ton of success this year. Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come on. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs>